You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wild, weird, and sometimes normal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! This episode's guest is Angela Mercury. She's going to give you her story on cancer, on comedy, on her views on spirituality and the afterlife. It's an in-depth conversation. I think it's really important for everybody to have, to listen to, to understand. Angela has a great approach on her health. It was a real pleasure to have her come on and I appreciate it. Check the show notes. There's a link to her Instagram and her Facebook, which are great follows. There's also a link to her GoFundMe. Check it out. And if you choose to donate, make sure that you mention Wild and Weird so she knows where it's coming from. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal Podcast. Our next guest is Angela Melchiori. And she has a very interesting story to tell. Uh, welcome, Angela. Hey, thanks for having me. Perfect. So little disclosure, we used to be neighbors a very long time ago, <laughs> um, way back in the yeah. 90s, whenever that was. We're showing and... our age here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Angela, you used to be into CrossFit, possibly still are. Uh, and then uh, I believe a doctor's appointment possibly changed all of that. Yeah, so I I was a CrossFit athlete for about five years, and I literally was just hitting the peak of my fitness of of CrossFit, and I had all my skills down, and all of a sudden, one day, I was just having some really bad chest pain. And you know how, for people who go to the gym, you, you just think you tweaked something, you pulled a muscle, so I ignored it. I, so much... for people who might not know what CrossFit is, can can you explain the madness of CrossFit real quick? Flipping tires <laughs> so, and yes. So I mean, CrossFit is is really the intense hour of lifting, pulling, pushing, running. You 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 kind of name it. It's very intense. So 
pain flare-ups would not be unusual or shortness of breath? No. So being a CrossFit athlete, you're in constant pain. You have constant soreness, you know, so being in pain or, or having any kind of, you know, sore muscle aches and things like that was kind of just the regular for me for five years. So five so, years you know, into CrossFit, uh, yeah. chest pain start developing. Yeah. So I started having some, some chest pain and, and it was kind of random and it would not last very long. It would go away. So, you know, and then there was one night at the gym. I'll never forget it because I was a coach as well. So I coached CrossFit and um, I would go in and do my CrossFit workout and then I would coach the next class. And it was a, a workout that I love to do because I had all the movements that I was really good at. And I can do it rather quickly. So I went in and I just couldn't get through the workout. Like one minute in, I just was having a really hard time breathing. And so I just chalked it up to it was just going to be a bad night. I wasn't going to, you know, sometimes you have bad days at CrossFit. It can't be good all the time. So, and then the next thing you know, the chest pain hit me so hard and so fast. It literally brought me to my knees. And oh, wow. everyone's kind of, oh yeah, it was that are bad. Are you at home when this happens or are you at the gym? No, I'm at the gym. And um, you I'm kind of there. Knees, everyone, you know, yep. you, you were the strong, stoic, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like super jacked. Like people are like, you're, you're a trainer, you know, people are watching you lead classes and here you are falling down. Yeah. Yeah. And all I re really remember about that is just, I'm telling people, just look away, just look away. I'll be fine. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> Because I was and, in tears. Oh, that's terrible. So, yeah. so what happens? The the owner of, of CrossFit calls an ambulance, or do you go no, home? No, and... it went away. So I was like, "All right." I taught my class. I went home. I showered. Went to bed. About um, I'll never forget it. Three a.m. I woke up. The chest pain was so severe for me that that I was having a heart attack or stroke, and I'm like, "Please let this pass," because I don't want to call an ambulance at 3 a.m. I was living in a condo and, you know, all the neighbors are going to be out and, and it passed. So I went back to bed. Okay. So back to bed, wake up the next yeah. morning, numerous chest pains, debilitating pain, and you just keep writing this off. Well, pretty much. And, um... <laughs> this is such our generation of just like, oh, you know, our, our parents are like, oh, rub, you know, rub some mercuricone on it, rub, rub dirt on it. You're fine. And yeah, you can't breathe. I mean, You're like, ah, oh, it'll go away. I don't. I don't want the the neighbors to see me. You know, in my pajamas. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And I had work the next morning, and I'm very particular about about my job. And you know, I come from a very long line of Italians, where it's kind of like, ah, oh, forget about it. <laughs> you know. This isn't going to bring you down. You're, you're you're fine. You're like, uh, it's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So you know, and then of course, my mom is a nurse. And, you know, I was kind of telling her what was going on. And she said, maybe you should just, you know, go to urgent care, get yourself checked out and and, and be done with it. And now this was the time where um, my job, I was in the mental health and medical field. They, you know, it, it was mandatory to get the vaccination for COVID. So I had just became fully vaccinated as they considered it two weeks after my second shot. And, you know, like people were worried about blood clots then. 
So I was like, fine, you know what? I'll go to urgent care once I'm done this report for work. So did all that, drove myself to urgent care. And they took me right away. I explained to them kind of what was happening. And then they're like, we're not going to touch you. And I'm like, okay, can't you just give me a chest x-ray? Like, you'll see it's a pulled muscle. It's nothing big. But they wouldn't touch me. So you go to urgent care for help and and they just kick you back to the street? Do they give you a follow-up yeah. of where to go? No, they demanded that I go straight to the ER. And I get what they call a D-dimer test, which is, is a blood test. It tests for cancers. It tests for blood clots, things of that nature. So I walked out of there with a script and an order to go to the ER, which I did not. <laughs> Just kick it down the line again. Like, oh, I feel great. They they wrote a script. I'll, I'll deal with that yeah. next week. And we're, we're in like the second big wave of COVID. And the last place I want to be is the ER. During this time period where, you know, COVID is, is, is rampant again. And I don't want to be sick. I hardly get sick. And so, yeah, I went home. I ate something, did a little bit more work and then had to be encouraged by a family member to just go to the ER and get the test done. And what do they do with this test? So, I mean, as soon as I walk in, they see the scripts, you know, they they take me right back and they give me an EKG, you know, you get the whole workup. They give you the blood test and they make you sit in a room. Um, I did sit in a room and I spoke to an ER doctor and it's funny too, because along with the ER doctor comes students, right? And so there's this really young Doogie Hauser kind of guy there as well. And I mean, like, did he offer any input? Be... Was he there to? Did, no, did he say good day? Just now, he was just there watching what the ER doctor was doing, and it's like I'm, I was old enough to be this kid's mother. I mean, the kid didn't even look over sixteen years old. So you know, then once they do all the blood tests, they make you sit in a room. They did send me down for a chest X-ray, and you just kind of sit there waiting for your test results. But the thing about that, I was with Jefferson at Washington Township, and that's where my primary care provider is. So, of course, you know, nowadays you have the electronic chart on your phone. So I started getting all these dings and my test results were coming in before the doctor was coming to speak to me. You're not one of those patients who goes ahead and reads your chart beforehand and I, tries to WebMD. Well, no. So my mom's a nurse. So of course the test results are coming in and I'm shooting her the results. And I can tell it's not looking good, but I couldn't tell exactly what was going on. So things, you know, the test results didn't look good. I could see something in the chest x-ray. And then, you know, my mom was kind of talking to me and Next thing I know, they're sending me down for a CAT scan. Oh, man. So this is all happening in the same day? Yeah, this is, is all happening in the same day. And I'm like, oh, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, just, you know, let me know. Maybe it's pneumonia. Maybe it is a blood clot. I just want to get out of the hospital. I didn't bring a book. I don't have anything to do. So I kind of want to get out of the hospital than sitting there all day. It's not like my favorite thing to do. Not so, your vacation you know, choice. 
no, like there's other things, you know, and then I'm thinking I got to get to the gym later on today. Like I have things to do here. So they take me down, we get a CAT scan and they sit me back in the same room and I'm there for about 10 minutes. And, you know, then I have a nurse come and she says, the doctor wants to speak to you. And I'm thinking, great, I'm getting discharged. Finally, I'm getting out of here. So I'm sitting in a private room and, you know, here comes the ER doctor minus Doogie Hauser. He's not there anymore. Doogie had a curfew? Do He had probably definitely had a curfew. You know, his mom probably bought his lunch. Who knows, right? Lots of possibilities. They're endless. Right. And mind you, I'm by myself, you know, because again, one, I didn't really tell anyone I was going to the ER because I'm not concerned. And two, it's COVID. So you can't have visitors. You can't have people there with you. So the doctor comes in and he says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And I'm like, all right, well, hit me with it. And he says, good news is it's not a blood clot. And I'm like, well, that's good news. What's the bad news? And he said, the bad news is you have cancer. And can we curse on here or do, or are you going to bleep me out? No, let's no, but go for it. Do the seven okay. deadly words of George Carlin. <laughs> My immediate response was shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out of here. And I don't doubt you said that for one second. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking this is like, am I on candid camera? Because like, I'm only 39 years old. I am at the, the top of my fitness right about now. There's, I've had no symptoms and, you know, in the ER, they're not going to really tell you, you have the big C unless they're a hundred percent certain that you have cancer. Are they able to specifically say what type of cancer? He did say potentially lung cancer, but the issue is he can't say exactly, you know, um, the stage of it, the spread of it, because mind you, it was only the chest that they did. So, right. so he gives you the, the old good news, bad news. You're thinking bad news probably isn't that bad. He starts off with yeah. not a blood clot. Like, you know, maybe that was, uh, is that worse than cancer? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but both are horrible. Uh, all right. So he gives you earth shattering news. This is not great. You know, you're, you're telling him to shut up. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was a he, joke. He just give, right. Yeah. He's, he just gives you some paperwork and, and has you follow up with somebody. Is it just, I mean, this is COVID. I mean, you're, you don't have a support person with you. Uh, right. and, you know, you can't even read his facial expressions. He brought like, a mask and a shield and, you know, he's yes. yeah. it on to, to stay away at, you know, what, what's happening I, I, here. I guess my response wasn't what he thought it should be because I'm like, yeah, this is a, this is a fucking joke. Like, and then he's like, is there anyone I can call for you? And I'm like, yeah. So you can call and you can explain it to my mother because as of right now, I want my IV out. I want to get out of here. You already told me what it is. I want to leave the hospital. I want to be out. So he had called my mom and explained it. Right. I can only imagine thoughts running through your head at that time. You know, do you, you almost kind of feel like a prisoner. You can't just get up and leave. You you know, even as shocked as you are, you, you still have medical equipment in you. You know, like, I, I guess you could yeah. just took out the front door. <laughs> you see some strange videos sometimes. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, you're you're thinking of so many things. Like one of my thoughts was, oh, my God, I'm only 39. I'm going to die. Or, you know, I, I have to go to work tomorrow. You think of like the weirdest shit. 
You know, like, Doc, I, I can't I have this. Go grocery I, I, shopping. I, big day tomorrow. Can't yeah. can't have cancer today. You know, like I got you know stuff at work to do, and and then it feels just surreal. Like nuts. It's got to be a mistake. There's there's no way. There's no way. But then they give you like a 16 page report, like of people now that you need to call and follow up with all these specialists, because now there's going to be a series of tests, you know? So that was a lot to handle. Just real quick, uh, jumping back to the diagnosis and you don't have to answer if, if you don't want to, is lung cancer in your family? No. You, you're just the lucky no. lottery winner of the first in your family? I am the luckiest one in my family to have a stage four adenocarcinoma is exactly what I have. So they give you 16 pages of follow-up. I assume it's a ton of doctor's appointments and tests. And this yes. is when you're going to find out the stage and the specific type of cancer. Yes. So my diagnosis came and in November. Uh, so November this is 9th, all November 2020? 2021. Okay. November 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So I've survived a year so far with this. And, you know, things moved so quickly because of, I'm, I'm assuming my age, because you hear absolute horror stories of, you know, someone's 75 year old grandmother can't get an appointment with an oncologist. When I say my stuff moved so quickly, it was literally from November till the end of December, where it was like nothing but PET scans, MRIs specialists. And there's so many things I didn't know about cancer because I didn't have to do the research, but I've learned so much about cancer because it's different stages, different treatments. You know, some people get radiation, some people don't get radiation, some people get chemo, some people don't get chemo. There's different types of oncologists depending. I mean, it is just a significant amount of information, but things were moving so quickly for me that it was very hard to actually realistically process and cope with the fact that I have this really shitty diagnosis. Right. So every day is, you know, just another appointment, another scan, yes. another follow-up, yes. another doctor call. Yep. So it's it's hard to yep. take the time that you need to to go through and yeah. and process as a 39-year-old, you know, with this. Yeah. Person. Yeah, it's a very hurry up and wait process, we like to call it, because it's hurry up and get this test. Now we wait for results. And every result that came back was awful, just awful. Like it just kept my MRI results came back awful. My pet results came back awful to where the spread was so significant. And every specialist I met with kept saying the same thing that we're late in this stage of the game. We're late in this game. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Okay, fine. We're late in this game, right? So what do I do? Right. It's great to know, you know, hey, a year ago, this would have been like, okay, well, I'm not at a year ago. I'm at today. Like, what are we doing right. today? Right. So, I mean, long story short, it, you know, I, I have a significant spread of, of the cancer and my only treatment option was IV chemotherapy. I was not a candidate for surgery. I wasn't a candidate for radiation. You know, I, a lot of the doctors were shocked that I didn't drop dead in the gym doing CrossFit because where some of the cancer is, is that, you know, I have such a significant mass in my chest that it has connected and wrapped around my pulmonary artery and my aorta, which is your heart. Oh, that's terrible. 
So they're they're thinking that as you're working at a CrossFit, there's just the the heart pumping so much it could just cause yeah, some, like, some type of reaction. Right, right, right. And I'm you know I'm from the old school. When you hear cancer, you hear chemotherapy. You know, back in the old days, it just means that you know death. Right. That's kind of where my head is at. And I'm like, oh, everyone I know that got cancer and then had chemotherapy died immediately after. So. I really right, wanted a few to weeks know. to a month. So, yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I was really, really focused on my timeline. So when I finally did meet with my cancer team and oncology, I wanted a timeline. I wanted a timeline of if I refuse chemo and I wanted a timeline of if I do the chemo. So we got that timeline. You meet with your oncologist and they're, they're telling you what is the best case scenario with refusing chemo? Couple months. Couple months. And what is the yeah. best case scenario with your current treatment? Two years. So we have surpassed a year. We already wow. made a year anniversary. <laughs> I'm betting the over on this one. We're going much more than two. That's you know that's what everyone is saying, and I you know what quite honestly I surprisingly once my diagnosis hit I can't tell you how ill I was. Uh, the disease it just happened so quickly and it was you know to the point where I couldn't swallow food I had you know cancer in my throat and it was just awful how quickly I went downhill after that diagnosis and you know the day before Christmas Eve I had to go get a port put in so for people who are listening it is a like I call it my doorbell because that's kind of how it shapes <laughs> it gets surgically placed in and under your your skin in your chest and then there's a catheter that goes through the neck that's where you get your chemo and this just makes it easier for the treatments to not have to keep trying to find veins veins yeah because you know the chemo is is highly toxic so you're just going to ruin your veins and i don't have an end date for chemo i am what they call a lifer so i will have chemo for the however long i live basically which is another hard pill to swallow because who wants to be sick twice a month for the rest of their life, you know? Right. That does make it difficult. Uh, so yeah. let's go through treatments. You just had your 20th chemo session. Okay, 20th, right? 21. Yep. 21 okay, is Tuesday. So, so every other week you have chemo. So twice a month yeah, so and then you're sick for a week after about. About. Yeah. Sometimes. And that's another thing with, with these rounds is every round is different. Some rounds hit way harder. Some rounds I'm better able to manage. So it's pretty anxiety provoking because you never know what to expect. And, you know, here we are Tuesday, we're going into round 21 and I'm like, oh God, you don't know what to expect. Sure, it just gets tiresome and monotonous. And then especially the results not being the same of how you feel. Yeah. But you yeah, I got to say, I think I'm pretty shocked. The The chemotherapy seems to like me and I'm doing so, knock on wood, doing so well on the chemo that I think I'm kind of like surprising people. But I also feel like that has a lot to do with my mindset towards the chemo and towards the cancer, because I never asked myself like, why me? And this isn't fair. Never once have I been like that. So let's switch to to mindset a little bit. What is your, what is your mindset as, as you're facing this obstacle? You know, back in the day, I was kind of more of a, a pessimist kind of person, but I like to call myself a realist instead of a pessimist. <laughs> and this is my second time with cancer. So second round of, of cancer. An overachiever. 
Yeah, you know, you got to love it. So do they think that the first round and this one are connected or you're just that lucky? So I'm not going to be able to really prove a lot of people think it is. Some people don't think it is. I'm not going to be able to prove either or, you know, so at this point, is there even, you know, even a point? It was just more. Right. Like. Right. Is there a point, you know, because it's not just in my chest so that the cancer is in my liver, it's in my rib cage, it's in my spine. It is, you know, from toe to neck, you know, thank God my, it's not in the brain. So it, at least we have that going for us. But the, the mindset has always kind of been what a gift, you know, like this cancer really has been a gift for me because it really changes your life for the better. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So, yeah. So, you know, Time is a monster, right? Everyone, we all fight the same monster. So when, you know, people love to say, yeah, well, you know, I can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Well, we don't, you know, normal people who don't have a timeline, we randomly think of those things. It's not a constant, oh my God, I woke up this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for waking me up because I can go into cardiac arrest and not wake up in the morning. So it kind of makes you really be grateful that, you know, you have another day. You look at things so differently as to the point where, is that really a big thing to be pissed off about? What really matters? What doesn't matter? Kind of stuff like that. Um, I time myself when I have my moments. I physically time myself because I can't, if you sit too long in that moment, you're never going to get back out. So that's kind of what I do. No, I think that's a great approach. So you were talking about your mindset for attacking uh, the cancer, for attacking the treatments. Uh, are you taking this like kind of like the CrossFit mentality of, you know, an hour of intense workout, you're now extrapolating to two plus years or, you know, if you want to talk on that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I have kind of gone more of the comedy humor route than the CrossFit route. So for people that, that know, you, I mean, this is kind of, you made six ABC. Yeah. Jim Gardner was not the voice of it. I think if he did, you, you know, that's our Ron Burgundy, you would be, you know, the, the highlight of every kid who grew up in the nineties <laughs> who watched, you know, snow days with, with Jim Gardner and 6 PM news. So you, yeah. you have this, you're diagnosed with lung cancer the day before that you're 39 years old. You're great shape. You're, you're doing CrossFit. Now you have this lung cancer and some people, you know, would curl up in a ball and, and just wait for the inevitable. What you did is, you know, you're taking these treatments twice a month and somehow you found comedy in them. You've, you've, you've made comedic little films ab- about your treatment. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I, I've always kind of thought myself as a funny kind of chick. I'm, I can be very sarcastic and and dry. And, you know, cancer is a very uncomfortable thing for people. It's the best thing because you. I had some people who just avoid me like the play because it's just too difficult to see or to listen to or, you know, so if I am kind of like shocking people with a dark, sar- sarcastic kind of humor, and I'm, I'm putting these posts up that are just like, wow, I can't believe she said that, but that is really funny kind of thing. It opens up the groundwork for people to be more comfortable to talk about these things. Because for some people, I am a reminder of someone who they lost to cancer. And so I have to kind of understand that as well. And, you know, the videos, the videos were also a coping mechanism for myself because at the start, my very first cancer treatment was for IV chemo was January 5th. 
and I had to go by myself because of COVID. And there's nothing worse than going by yourself. You know, I'm I'm super sick and I can't have anyone there. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if it's going to hurt. Like there's so many things. And I was just the night before laying in bed and it just popped into my head that this is what I'm going to start doing. And I'm going to do these videos and, and it's going to be funny. And it's going to show people that cancer treatment has come such a long way. It is much better improved than what it was five years ago. And that it could be, you know, fun. But on the other sense, I started noticing that it was also helping the nurses who work there. I mean, all they see and, and treat are fill people every day. So I wanted to make their day as well. They had to think you were out of your mind at, at first. <laughs> uh, some of your sketches that you've done uh, that I've seen. Uh, so the Spartan cheerleaders from Saturday Night Live, Will Ferrell <laughs> dressed up, uh, Rocky Four, you know, you're Rocky and there you are fighting uh, Ivan Drago and you know taking down the Russians. Uh, where so you just you have two weeks to think of what your your next session's going to be. Or they there's a lot of writing time here. You, you should submit some of this to, to Saturday Night Live. Like I can write sketches. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a little too liberal now. I just have to say I, I probably won't be won't be uh, permitted there. I mean, you know, like my. The first skit I did where the nurses were like, oh, my God, was the roll the one where I put the roller skates on and I rolled down to uh, that rap song, um, Catch Me Riding Dirty. And that was kind of my first real video because that was the first time I was actually able to bring a visitor. So I believe that was around five or six where I was able to finally bring someone with me. And the nurse, I was like, listen, I warned the nurse. I said, I'm going to put these roller skates on. And she was like, well, I I don't know if we're going to, you're going to be allowed to do that. And I was like, I'm, I don't care if I'm allowed to do that. I'm just warning you that this is what I'm doing. And, you know, they got a, a, a kick out of it. And, you know, the one nurse was like, in my 25 years working here, I've never had anyone put on roller skates and kind of skate down the hallway. And I said, well, there's, there's always a first for everything, but these people have to understand these videos. I, I, they kind of just pop in my head. And once they pop in my head, I start writing them down. I start getting the costume ready. And I there's a lot of practice that goes into these videos, like a lot of memorization and a lot of practice. Like to get Axel's Axel Rose's dance down packed. So I watch his music video for hours on end every day leading up to that time. Like 1986 all over again, just sitting in front of MTV yeah. watching the same four videos. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so there's, you know, there, there's a lot of practice. You know, there's a lot of Amazon is probably going to ban me at some point because I have to, you know, it's expensive. I have to get costumes. I have to get wigs. And then I put it all together by myself and I post it. So are these on YouTube? I've seen them on your Facebook page. Are are you mm. posting them other places as well? So I know like I have done a little bit. Someone recommended TikTok, but the thing about TikTok is that I get in a lot of trouble for copyright. Mm -hmm. so, Axel Rose didn't make enough money from <laughs> you know Sweet Child of Mine and Paradise City. He needs to right, yeah. right. So, and I know YouTube. I I'm not very good at uploading them, but when I do, I know that YouTube um, takes it off and blocks me because again, it, it's a copyright issue. So I know when I did Staying Alive from the Bee Gees, I, so Facebook immediately kind of blocked me and was like, this is your warning. 
you don't own this music. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get sued here just because I'm trying to bring some fun to, to cancer treatment, right? That's crazy. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was confused. I thought I did own the BG's rights. Like, obviously I don't. Right. I'm trying to make a good video, you know, and inspire right. other people and, and keep myself right. from going insane. Right. Exactly. So, you know, and the videos, treatment itself, you know, we were a year into it and yeah, I would be lying if I said I wasn't getting super tired. So I'm getting, I'm getting to that point where I'm just like tired, but I want to live. So I kind of have like no choice, but to continue to do this. I think it's obviously, you know, it's great if it's giving you, you know, inspiration or, you know, um, I'm sure it takes up a lot of your time in a, in a positive way, instead of just sitting around and waiting in between doctor's appointments and follow-ups and things like that. Um, to yeah. try to find what what the next thing is going to be. It's a shame you you can't put it anywhere except for you know, I guess privately through your Facebook. Yeah, uh, so I do. Put, I put them on Instagram as well. I know okay. TikTok gets a little difficult because I can't use. I have to use their physical music, so I can't use the music from my library, from you know, and and YouTube. Um, you know, I do have some things. I think Greece made it on YouTube. I don't know if they blocked it yet. But Greece may have made it on there. So I'm not, you know, very like kids these days. I mean, it's it's everywhere. You know, we grew up in the 90s and I'm like, oh, if it's not my space, it's Facebook. <laughs> you know? If it doesn't involve blowing the back of a cartridge and jiggling it to make it work, it's really past me. Like I said, it's your mindset to be positive and have a good outlook. It is something that takes a lot of work every minute of my day. You know, it's. But on the other hand, I'm a very realistic person, right? I'm not going to beat this thing. At some point, it is going to take me probably a little too early in life. But, you know, I'm very focused on making a statement and memory for when I do leave that people are like, yeah, like I used to know this girl and this is how she fought cancer. And I may not be viral now, but I may viral when I pass. You just wait until this makes it on the Spotify going places, <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, what are you what are you gonna do? Like I am stubborn by nature, you know, and you really have only two options when it comes to this. You're either going to be the the negative Nancy or you're gonna say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna do something with this and I'm going to make it the best time of my life. And, you know, hopefully show people, you know, because a lot of people struggle with, do I do chemo? Do I do the treatment? And, you know, and at the end of the day, it really has prolonged my life. You know, I went from a couple of months to we've made it a year. I think that's amazing. And then also, you know, we spoke on it earlier, but to come back to it, that you you have the mindset now of appreciating uh, everything that's that's happening to you, and that you can make a difference, and you know you're making those steps to do that to to hopefully make a memory that's going to last a long time. Where there are people who have a heart attack in their sleep, or they get in a car accident on the way to work, and you know all of their thoughts are, oh, tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow I'll do this. Yeah. But tomorrow might not be there, and you're you're doing all of this today. And I think that's that's hey. amazing. Yeah. And then it gives you like a, you know, not to be morbid or anything, but it actually gives me the opportunity to think about what I want as far as where do I want to be buried? You know, 
you start, you know, you you purchase a tombstone and a plot and and your services and and it really gives me a chance to kind of think about all that stuff in a positive way to just kind of get things done and out of the way. So so that's on really that a little important. bit. Let's switch gears and discuss a little bit of the of spirituality. Prior to your diagnosis, did you have any type of religious beliefs or a higher being or anything like that? Well, I mean, I I, I definitely I believe in God. I mean, I definitely believe that there is something higher than us. I I grew up in the church, but you know, back then gr- growing up Catholic, you know, I have always, always, even before the diagnosis, have said my prayers before I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning. The the one thing I will say about that is that my prayers have changed a little bit more because there are things that I have asked for or have said during my my prayers, either at night or in the morning, that have actually come come to fruition. You know, like I asked, you know, God at bed for, you know, give me some kind of motivation to get me through this. And, you know, and I think quite honestly, with my response to chemo, like it really, you know, I'm going to, I joke and I say, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the, the baby, I'm going to be like some kind of baby Jesus miracle and watch all of a sudden, you know, my stage four cancer is going to disappear and I'm going to be walking on water and giving seances one day. Like, you know, well, I don't but know about I, walking on water, but with, you know, the way I, the technology is changing and science, you, you know, you never know. You know, but, but I am very spiritual and there's, there's just, it's hard to explain, you know, when you are asking or seeking for something and things happen to you. And, but in the same sense, I do have a sixth sense of humor, right? Because I also own a t-shirt that says Jesus is the ultimate deadlifter. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so I, I kind of go both ways when it comes to that kind of thing. I, I definitely think you can have a sense of spirituality and a higher being and then also enjoy humor. I mean, if there, you know, if there is a God, he created a sense of humor as well. So he would appreciate the joke. And he did raise people from the dead. So I mean, there you come go. on. It, it's realistic, right? Like he's the ultimate deadlifter. So, you know, my humor goes both ways. Some people really find it like in the beginning of my diagnosis, I, a lot of people were like, horrified with some of the things I would say. And, and, you know, and some of the people who know me real well, like are find it hilarious and, and, and joke. So I'm laughter to me is, is the best medicine. You know, I, I have gone to some cancer support groups actually stopped going because it doesn't really seem to be the thing for me because majority of cancer groups I've gone to, there's a lot of everyone is kind of in their own part of their cancer journey, right? So there's a lot of people, they have different stages, different diagnoses, different, you know, things of that nature. And there seems to be a lot of negativity, right? And woe is me kind of thing. And I'm the complete opposite kind of person. So it was kind of having the opposite effect on me, you know, because here I am, I'm now I'm 40. I'll, I'll let everyone know my real age now. I'm 40. I'm hoping for 41 this upcoming summer. And, you know, I have stage four cancer. So I'm terminal. I'm inoperable. 
and I'm incurable. I'm not going to go into remission. And you're sitting in a cancer group support group with someone who has been in remission for five years. And, you know, they had stage, you know, one cancer and they are in tears because they are, you know, woe is me. And sometimes that would get me annoyed. You know, so, but then on the other hand, you have to also be sensitive because even if you're in remission, there's always that chance of it coming back. So I have to step back and remind myself that they're going through something too. Because to me, it's not that bad. That's my mind. I think that's a great mindset. And I think how you've positioned yourself, you know, that those groups can definitely help certain people who need the process or who may not have somebody to talk to or who don't fully even understand, you know, what's happening to them. And maybe they see it as a punishment instead of yes. sometimes just bad things happen. Uh, but you know, you're, you're having the ability to, to deal with that. Uh, I've, right. I've never been uh, to a, a support group or like an Alcoholics Anonymous or anything, but to me also just kind of seems crazy that if you love to drink and you have an issue with it and have a hard time saying no to always go and hearing people talking about drinking just doesn't seem like the best way to stay away from doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So going to a cancer group and it's not just you who gets to talk, you have to listen to other people and you know, you're empathetic to them and, and things like that. But the people who haven't processed it and are very upset and sad, you know, that starts to play a little bit of a role on yourself. And you're talking about, you know, time being, uh, you, you know, the, the countdown's on and you, you recognize it. Uh, that seems like it yeah. could put you in a, a bad place, you know, mentally. And it seems like you, you're in a great place and you know your your videos and your family and and the things that you're choosing to do with your time seems like that's being better spent for you, you know, in, in that group yeah i mean and group. and listen you know different strokes for different folks i guess right you know not everything what one thing works may not work for the other person i know that the support groups i have a hard time finding you know, the, the positive view that I am looking for, but like in my mindset, not to be a cliche, it could always be worse. So I find myself saying that a lot to people. It could always, always be worse, but I do I, have I my moments. <laughs> Everybody has their moments. No one's expecting perfection. Yeah. So you grew I'm up, not positive uh, every day. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, you know, I still have road rage, something terrible. You know, well, so people I, learned how to drive. I, I'm really hoping that Elon Musk and, and his Tesla can figure this out. Like it, my 30 mile commutes me, you know, an hour and 15 minutes, and it doesn't make sense. It's it's really it's really awful. And we just had my husband and I in December, right before Christmas, had a horrific car accident, like head on collision. And I joke with him now. I'm like, well, I am now a cat with six lives. So I have. You're counting down. As long, as long as you stay above right. one, that's good. Right. I'm like that movie, Puss in Boots. You know, yeah. but I mean, like, like I said, I, I definitely have my days, but it's every minute of the day you got to kind of work on, on being positive. And, you know, I, I do have my moments. And when I do, because everyone on social media, you only see the funny, the humor, the looking forward to these videos. You don't get, you're not supposed to see the bad part of it to me. That's, that's private for me. Right. And that's, that's your choice for your journey. And I, I think, you know, you know, looking at the videos, I, I think they're just amazing. And, um, uh, I knowing family members who have gone through cancer, um, and then seeing how you're handling it or, or posting it, um, uh, it's just inspirational. I think you're going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you. That's not really, you know, and it's not what, what I'm kind of setting out to do. 
either. I think um, it's a byproduct of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, and it's a lot of fun and I know the nurses look forward to it. And I really kind of feel like after a year, I am in search of more ways, bigger platforms to inspire, motivate. Like when my diagnosis first came, I was pretty much focused on, okay, so now's the time to make amends with people. I don't want to ruffle people's feathers. I don't want to leave this earth on bad terms with anyone. But in reality, because there has been a lot of disappointments on the way, as far as, you know, there's people who you expected to reach out to you to say something and they didn't. And then there's people who you never thought would reach out to you and they say something nice and say, you know, hey, you know, we have your back. So there was some disappointment. And then I'm a very confrontational, outspoken person. I'll, I say what's on my mind, which it's also a learning process because I don't always have to say things, right? Sometimes it's better left unsaid, but I was really focused on that in the beginning of my journey. Now I'm to the point where, you know what? It doesn't matter. When I die, someone's going to be pissed off at something I didn't do or I didn't say or, you know, so why, why does that matter? You know, it's really a time to become selfish. And I've always, even in my career, have been selfless. It's definitely your time to take advantage of and to do what you want. And, you know, also from your saying a little bit ago, I think it's good to try not to leave the earth worse than you came into it or to leave people with a bad taste, but also not to go out of your way and to be walked over or to, you know, overly, you know, bow down and apologize for things that might not have need an apology. You, you don't need to clean up that much. This is your time. This is, you know, what's happening. Right. Because no matter what, someone's going to be pissed off at you for something. So right. uh, that's my that's my piece of advice for everyone. Let's see. <laughs> someone's going to be mad about something you didn't do or did do anyway. So, you know, you, you got to kind of refocus your efforts because I'm at that point. If it's something I don't want to do, I'm not going to do it. You don't have to be nice and, and just say yes and go. Right. Right. That's free. And I'm that's not going nice to feel and... guilty. <laughs> right. No. Right. It's your time. Uh, so. Wrapping up spirituality real quick, do you find yourself leaning more onto it now or it's been the same because you've always kept it in your life? I think it's become a little bit more meaningful if that can make any sense because, you know, things that I've asked for or, or prayed upon have really come to fruition. And there's, you know, I'm not a big believer in coincidence. I think it has changed in the sense that it is more meaningful. I feel it more in my heart because anyone can wake up in the morning and say, you know what, thank you, God, for waking me. But to really feel it and to really be so incredibly grateful that you feel it in your, your physical heart, that's how it's kind of changed. It's become more meaningful versus something, hey, got to say my prayers in the morning, got to say my prayers at night, because this is what good Christians do. Like, you know what I mean? So it's changed in that way. It's definitely more meaningful. You're living it more as opposed to just doing it out of habit. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, it, you know, it's really the big man upstairs who's gonna who's gonna decide what my timeline is. No, right. And uh something that I'm I think most people, you know, are always struggling with is, you know, what is, you know, in the great beyond or, you know, what is religion and is it just a, a general higher power? Is it an all-encompassing white light or you know, whatever it, it might be? 
but to, to have such a, a strong belief for a, a lifetime and, and to keep that going, I think that's that's really great that you've yeah. you, you know you found your your true north or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think the one thing that is is on my mind a lot more since my diagnosis is you know of course uh, what ha- is it when you do pass away, right? When it is my time, what happens to you? <laughs> so. Is it something where you just kind of close your eyes or is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? So there's a lot more thought process and pondering of that. Let's get into that a little bit. What do you think happens to the great beyond? I, mm, what would you like to happen? Would it, you know, is there the pearly gates and St. Peter has his, his checklist and he sees Angela Mercury on there and, and lets you in? Uh, or do you, I, I guess that's the ideal version. That's the movie version. That's, you know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and, and it's hard because it's one of those things no one knows, right? Because no one's been there and come back to tell the tale. You know, I, I would hope that there's something nice, <laughs> but I, I just kind of think like it's just going to be one day you just close your eyes and that's kind of that's kind of it. Um, it it's really hard to say because it's something that I, I ponder you know, because no one really knows. I mean, I, I think it's something that maybe one day I'm just either going to close my eyes and not open them again. And that's kind of how it goes. Right. Do you have any beliefs in reincarnation or anything? Um, I, that's, that's a really hard question. I'm not sure. You know, my mom likes to tell a story when I was really, really little. You know, I, I at one point said something you know, I used to do these modeling things for my aunt and I was super, super, you know, I wasn't even in school yet when I used to do these modeling things and for a clothing store for my aunt and they put me in this dress and my mom tells the story that I twirled around and I was like, oh, I used to own one of these dresses in my past life. And I absolutely horrified every person in that store by saying that. So I don't remember that. Or saying any of that, but reincarnation. I do joke around that if I do, I am reincarnated, that I come back as something really, really cool. Like, I don't want to be a bird or anything. Or or if I come back as a dog, I hope I have a nice family and a nice house and I'm not like an abandoned dog who has to go into the garbage can for, for food. You know what I mean? Lady in the Tramp and sharing the pasta. <laughs> You don't right. want that life. You want the 101 Dalmatians where they were they were loved by the family. Right. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I try not to think as much as I try to live every day just in that moment. Right. In that moment. And I, I can't really dwell too much on what happened the day before. And I can't dwell on too much of what may happen tomorrow. So when you have this kind of diagnosis and and your terminal, it's really important just to take every hour in stride and stay physically in the present. Hard, possible. No, I, th- I think that's important. Um, yeah, and I don't know about reincarnation. Uh, sometimes you'll read different stories of, or even here, as you just said, about being a child, or you. There was a a news story last month about a boy who uh, had all these memories of being this uh, actor in early Hollywood and um, that actor's sister was still alive. And some of the things that this boy was saying were, were true of this guy growing up. 
Um, so, you know, the, that sister was a belief that he was uh, reincarnated and it wasn't like a Cary Grant where people would know, you know, a biography was not written about this, this Hollywood person. Uh, so very strange stuff out there. You know, you, you don't know. I mean, I definitely believe in like, you know, angels, right. And I, I believe that, you know, that there's spirits and that there's signs. We just have to be acutely aware of those signs and what they mean and what they're showing us. And if you're not in that moment, you're missing all of these signs and, and, and you're not aware to it, you know, I, reincarnation is is hard but i do believe in some kind of you know protection and spirituality and you know like that car accident i'll go back to that that's something none of us should have really made it out and and we really made it out kind of unscathed and you can only think that there was something you know it's not your time and that you have something i've always said that i've always felt like I am here because there's something else that I have to do. There's something else that is planned for me to do here before I go. I saw pictures of, of the car. You posted it after the accident, and it, it does not seem that anybody should have walked away from that unhurt, oh. not in the hospital for a long time. Yeah, and the pictures don't do it justice. And it was just the oddest, oddest situation. And I, I'm not sure what the other girl was doing, but three cars were were involved. And, you know, she basically fell out of the sky. So she traveled across two separate lanes over a median into opposite oncoming traffic, which is where my husband and I were traveling. And another car next to us on the pike was traveling. So to look at the police report, the police sketch, it was just bizarre. And, you know, all of us were on the pike. You know, I'd be lying if I said we were doing the speed limit. No one's doing the speed limit, you know. You can't get anywhere and, if you are. You have to go a little faster. Right. And it was literally three days after, three or four days after I just had chemo. And it was the first time I was able to get out of bed. And we were on our way to get Chinese food because... <laughs> I, I was able to eat and now we can't go back to the same place where we order Chinese food because we never picked our food up. We never made it. I think you're dead beats now for not, you know, calling it in, not picking it up. You're, no, I, yeah, I have I a know. good excuse. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So it yeah, definitely it sounds has... like you had somebody looking out for you for, you know, a higher power, a protection of some sort that you know, car accidents are crazy. And then how people walk out or you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, that is, is, it's a golden ticket. Things are happening to us where it's saying, you know, wake up, smell the roses. There's a reason for each and every one of us to be here, you know, and I can only think that there's something big still here for me to do. I think you're right. I think you're reaching a lot of people, you know, you've been on their podcasts before, you, you know, through your social media and, you know, you're, you're not creating these things to, Look at me, look at me. But I, oh, I think no, it's giving people no. inspiration. It's giving people inspiration. It's giving people insight. Uh, it's, I think, people if they were younger and they dealt with cancer in their family, uh, you know, they only saw that it was a very short diagnosis from time of diagnosis to the time of passing. Is you know was weeks to months, and you know it was laying in a hospital bed or you know being at home in a in a bed, and just slowly passing yeah. away. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always got to try something once. So, you know, I, I tried the chemo and after my first round of chemo, like, to be honest, I wasn't going to do it again. 
I was so deathly ill. I mean, the and I said to my oncology team, I said, if this is the way chemotherapy is going to be, I don't want to do it no more. Like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. But like, unfortunately, it was bad because my cancer is so aggressive that they had to hit me pretty aggressively with the first round of chemo. And they also didn't know because right after that first round of chemo, they sent me down for a chest x-ray. I had fluid in my lungs. So that following week, I had to go back into the hospital to get my lung drained. And for people who have never had that happen, right, you don't ever have to have that happen to you. It's, I, if I have to get my lung drained again at any point in my life, I will refuse it. <laughs> they're putting a tube down your throat or they're puncturing? No, them? no. So, yeah. And, and here we are, COVID, right? So I am sick as shit from chemo. I have to walk into the hospital by myself and I'm thinking they're going to give me some kind of med, right? You're, you're going to give me something. You're going to put me to sleep. No. Next thing I know, the doctor's like, all right, swing your legs on the other side of the bed and grab this TV tray. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, this is new. Like, you know, so, and next thing I know, they're just jabbing a couple of needles in my, my back lung and the pain was awful. And then they put a drain in you. And they drain your lung and it is a long process. And I sat like that for hours because you can't drain a lung quickly because you're going to collapse the lung if you do it. So I sat there for hours and there was just beakers of fluid just kept coming and coming and they're passing it to someone and they're sending it to the lab to test for, you know, to test the fluid to see if it's cancerous fluid and at the end of the day, they took two gallons of fluid off of that one lung, which is two milk, two gallons like of milk on one lung. That's crazy. How much fluid can a lung hold? Do you know? I don't even know. That's and crazy. I'm surprised I didn't, you know, because if it gets too full, you can drown on your own fluid. And they didn't even take all of the fluid that was surrounding that lung. They only just took as much as they could. And, you know, they sent it off for testing. Of course, it came back cancerous. So it was cancerous fluid built around my lung. And, but the one thing I will say that was a positive thing, if there could be a positive thing about that is my, um, I call her Large Marge. So that is my original mask that they found, you know, from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Large, Large Marge, Marge sent Marge you. Sent you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she is that big. That she actually, the doctor came in and said, you know, good thing for your your lung mass because that's the only, I had a collapsed lung and the mass was so big that it kept my lung intact. So from all the fluid. So knock on wood, we don't have to do that again because it's something I don't want to ever have to do unless you're going to put me the hell to sleep because it was awful. Has large Marge shrunk at all through chemo or? Yes. Did this just yes. stop? Okay, great. Yeah. So I, um, Mid-March. about, yeah. So she, she's, she's still pretty significantly large. So she's pretty much large and in charge. And she has, a, you know, when the news first came out that, you know, the spread was so significant, I kind of was like, all right, well, large March has a bunch of rowdy children and she's just letting them go unsupervised. Um, she has shrunk a little bit in height versus width. So she's still like affecting, pulmonary artery, the aorta. 
still chunky, just a little shorter. Yeah, so she's a little shorter. And and that's yeah. the thing, too, because they have to make sure that they don't shrink her to where she is cutting off the arteries and the aorta that she's connected to, because that'll be kind of it. And that's one of the other reasons why I am not a candidate for surgery. It is way too risky, and the spread is too significant to where, what are you going to kind of take out? Because it's still elsewhere. So one other topic. Uh, that I want to briefly touch on is um, the Sterling High School support community. I feel like, um, you know, we all, we're all kind of a little, it's like a little brother mentality where you're allowed to pick on uh, a little brother all the time. But as soon as somebody else steps up that little brother, you know, you're very protective. And uh, if, if I was a better host, I would I would have the woman's name who organized uh, a fundraiser. Tara. That, uh, Tara reached Tara. out. Tara. Uh, to everybody who knew you, you know, four years up, four years down type of thing, and and just put together this um, this great little fundraiser, uh, and, and I thought that was just just amazing. But then just to see everybody rally for support, and you know, that's like truly what it's about. I tell you what, like every time I, I I'm trying not to cry because it is a, I'm an ugly ugly crier, but I have never experienced that in my life. And Tara and everyone from Sterling who, who chipped in and came together, I, it is something that I never forget. It is something I think about every day, you know, especially because, I, I, listen, not all of us are our best in high school, right? <laughs> right? You know, I definitely grew up with a chip on my shoulder and I had a shitty attitude and, you know, I, I was very vocal and some may remember me as a bully. You know, I've, I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, and even though, you know, you threw me up against the locker for no apparent reason while we were in high school, I, I still am rooting for you. You know, it, uh, if I was a really good host, <laughs> I would have that person chime in right now as a, a you know, like Amari Povich and be like, coming up next, here we go. I just have rose colored glasses of high school and, uh, you know, and I never did anything wrong. And I know that is so far from the truth. And, you know, I get flashes of stuff. I'm like, oh my God, what, what an asshole. Yeah. You know, and I, I did not, there are things I didn't, but that's life. Right. You know, and, um, that was another reason why I was like, I need to make sure that I have to, you know, to me, this was a wake up call. It was time to reevaluate. It was time to refocus my efforts on the things that were important and the things that truly matter, you know, because before the diagnosis, it was just, I had my career and I had CrossFit, you know, now I have so much more and, and, and there are things that are more important than just, you know, materialistic items, even though I still like those, like I'm, I'm a woman, like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Everybody has their voice. Right, right. But um, it brings me back to, you know, there's people who I was really, really close to at the time of diagnosis, and you expect to hear from those people, and you don't. Then you have all these people, you know, Sterling, from Sterling, who I haven't seen, haven't spoke to, and for them to step up in this way is just it still leaves me speechless. And it's very rare that I am a speechless kind of person. So it's really crazy. Sterling High School at its finest. That's what we're we're here for. Uh, so I, I thought that was that was great that she put that together. Uh, oh yeah, really special. I will say this though about Sterling. 
the, and I forget, I can't remember the email. So I definitely have been reaching out to schools and I want to come in and I want to talk to the students and I want to, you know, give them motivation and inspiration. Like, listen, free of charge. Like I'm not going to, you know, I'm not an LLC or anything like that. I just want to come in and tell my story and, you know, and also touch on stigmas of cancer. Right. And like, there's so much that can be talked about and gleaned from this entire story. And Sterling, my alma mater, I sent an email and I said, this is what I'm willing to do. It would be a great opportunity for me if you would have me. And they sent me a rejection letter. Did they miss that you graduated from there? This is. I said, I'm an alumni. And I was like, hey, you know what? Best of luck in your endeavor. So I'll say that about Sterling. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. I, I know some teachers there. I, I think I know the principal. We have to pull some strings here. This is uh, yeah, Sterling High School. You're on notice. This is ridiculous. Because that's like, to me is, I, I'm, you know, I love doing podcasts. I love talking to people. I love, you know, giving them the story and, you know, the judgments of, because when you look at me, right. And people love to say this to me all the time. You don't look sick. I know. <laughs> I, right. You know, what do you, what, yeah. I know that I'm very sick or it's, you still have all of your hair. Right. And I'm like, okay, you know, thanks. but. My hair is very, very different. Then. You must not be, you know. Right, right. Or it's like, okay, what type of cancer do you have? And my primary, it, it is adenocarcinoma, but it's also lung cancer. So everyone thinks of smoking, right? So, oh, you must be a smoker. So I don't have this adenocarcinoma because of smoking. I may, let's say if I was a smoker and I was 80 years old, fine, then the lung cancer could probably, but not at age 39. That's like saying, hey, okay, you have rectal cancer. You must have had a lot of backdoor guests in your time, huh? So it's, right? So there's so many stigmas about this. I don't know if you're going to be able to put that on air, but. Did you put that that analogy in your letter to Sterling? Maybe we're finding out why you're rejected. <laughs> no, no, I didn't actually. So, but you know, you, you can never judge a book by its cover, right? I, so, I think that, yeah, you can't just look yeah. at somebody and, and say what's going on. Uh, that's right. why you're not supposed to heckle people when they park in the handicapped spot. You don't know right. why they're truly handicapped, even though it does seem like they're walking pretty fine to the mall and right. I could have had that spot. Right. Right. I mean, realistically, <laughs> we all judge pe people, right? I, I do, we all do, you know, and then there's the kind of do's and don'ts, you know, what do you say to someone? you know, who's getting chemo because a lot of people are saying the wrong things and you try not to get annoyed. You try not, you know, you, you, I would get a random message from some stranger named Ken. Who's like, Hey, did you look up this YouTube documentary? It's about this guy. He cured his cancer with lemons. You should try that. And I'm like, okay, I, uh, thank you, Ken whoever you are, but I can do with the unsolicited advice, Ken. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Lemonade is not going to stop this. Right. Right. You know, so, and, and there's, it's hard, you know, because in the beginning of this, there were some key things that people would tell me, you know, that annoyed the ever living shit out of me. And now I have just kind of like a better understanding. Like when this first started, people were just very, get a second opinion, get a second opinion, get a second opinion. Well, I'm oh, telling you, I never thought of that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, right. I, I'm just running right. with the first guy and now here I am. Yeah. Thank you. Right. It's just who, you know, whatever ticket I picked at the deli is how we're, is what we're doing here, you know? But I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive 
if I got a second opinion, because everything had to be very, very quickly to be where I am now. And like, not for anything, the second opinion isn't going to change the results that are on a scientific test stand. You know what I mean? So, right. Your results are very specific for what this is. This isn't, you know, like, oh, I think I have skin yeah. cancer. They're like, well, you have some time. You yeah. can probably go talk to somebody else. This right. is like, you should right. have died when you collapsed at, at CrossFit and it's amazing your heart's still beating. Let's get you going. Right. Um, right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Proving the doubters wrong every day. And this is what I'm saying. You're two plus years is I'm betting the over. Yeah. I think I have a little bit more time, hopefully, but you know, can cancer is a cancer is kind of a, a strange chaotic beast. Like, you know, you can be doing really, really well one week and then the following week you're kind of going downhill. So in the back of my mind, I'm always preparing for that as well. Well, I think you're facing this admirably. Thank you. you. Know, it's been, I guess, eye-opening of just kind of following it. I don't think I've ever known anybody, um, you know, around my age who, who's had a cancer like this and and yeah. just see, you know, there are different ways to face it. And, you know, uh, there is a positive attitude you can take towards it. And I, you know, I just think that's great. And I, I don't want to take up any, I said, this is going to be an hour and now we're an hour. Oh, over. we're past, we're past our time. Thank you, thank you for being my, my first guest. Oh. If this ever makes it to air, it will be amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you are welcome back uh, anytime. If you want to, this is, you know, the podcast is wild, weird, and sometimes normal. I think this was a, a very normal. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're hitting it out of the park oh, at number one. Darn. Yeah. I'll, I'll, next time I'll try to be a little bit more wild. I was trying to yeah, keep yeah. it PG for your, you know, your first, your first one. But I thank you so much for allowing me to be your first. Do you have <laughs> anything you want to plug? Is there information people can find? Do you have a, a site that people want to go to? Actually, no. Like I just, I am, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty much kind of a plain Jane kind of girl so far. Okay, perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, again, welcome back anytime you want to talk wild. You want to talk weird. Let's do that. Um, but Andrew Mercury, I'm, I'm clapping here for you, but I don't want to pop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. You have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guest. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.